there's a, a lot of folks who don't get yet that we've got to change, that change is inevitable. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. Unless you've been living in a cave for the last 20 years, you've heard of the Agile methodology. Created in the early 2000s, this methodology was originally designed to help speed up software development and make it more, well, agile. Today, these concepts are spreading throughout the business with varying degrees of success. Today's guest has spent the last five years helping companies discover a new approach to implementing agile, even applying agile concepts to professional development. Chris Daly is the managing director of Be Life. They provide holistic training and coaching in agile development, project management, modern leadership, and much more. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Hey, Chris, take us on this journey. You, you've got a very diverse background, financial, healthcare, consulting. So take us through that story of how you came to found Be Life. Okay. Well, I spent most of my career in the banking industry, either at a bank or working at banking software companies. And it was a it was an interesting career. I found that I was um, often ending up leading, you know, large organizations. And as part of that process, what I found was that my skills were deteriorating. And it kind of came to a head in 2010. I found myself out on a corporate restructure. If you remember, 2010 wasn't a great time to be unemployed. <laughs> no, it was not. No. So I had to reinvent myself. So I took a couple steps back and did a contract PM job. And while I was doing that, I took a scrum class. And I've never looked back. Since 2010, I've had the good fortune of working in all kinds of companies, from Fortune 500s to healthcare companies to startups. And in each case, I was trying to improve the outcomes that they were receiving. The last full-time job I had was with Angie's List. And as you know, Jeff, I got caught up in the home advisor acquisition. It was right. it was time for me to reinvent again. Um, at that point, I decided I was going to start Be Life. I wanted to focus on helping companies get better outcomes, but I wanted to take a different approach. Most organizations at the time, including Angie's List, really kind of focused on the organization as a whole. We'd go in and we'd talk about the process and frameworks and the all the, the technical terms that you know people have grown to love, like Scrum Master and Product Owner, but we were missing something. And, and what we were really missing, I found, was that we were missing the individual. We were missing that individuals don't necessarily always have the mindset and the skills required to make that transition. And so with that, we decided we were going to go ahead and uh, start Be Life. And it it worked out pretty well. You know, what I've found so far is that for the most part, uh, folks, when you go in and talk to them about Agile and Scrum, they really fight it in some form or fashion. Some are pretty aggressive. Most are pretty passive, uh, passive aggressive, if you want to call it that. Yep. And they want the change, but it scares them. And they don't know what or if there will be a role for them in the new world. 
is that approach by by looking at the individual first is is that what differentiates you in the market uh, in comparison to other uh, coaches and trainers in in agile i think so we take the view that every individual is unique um, every every agile training class that you go to seems to have some sort of agile manifesto overview right. in it Right. And the first value there is people and interactions over processes and tools. And we want to focus on the individuals by providing the skills they need for their lifelong journey. I mean, this is a, you know, I've had to reinvent myself so many times that it just seems like it's been a constant, always learning, trying new things, trying to figure it out. I think that as we go, as we go forward as an industry, the rate of technology is going to improve so fast that people are going to have to move forward and they're going to have to be willing to change and learn new things. And that's what we want to help them do. Yeah, uh, I think that's how they... It's constant reinvention, right? Because things are changing so fast. It seems to. Yeah. I mean, the things, that we, the things that we were doing 10 years ago are, even in the agile space, have changed you know, for the most part, they haven't changed dramatically, but they've changed enough that if you just fast forwarded from 2010 to now, things are different and things are a lot more complex than they were then. So let's double click a little bit on that approach and, and drill down. And how do you do this? How do you begin with the people first approach, the individual first approach? Walk us through that process. What we do is we come when we come in to an organization, we want to understand, first of all, what the leadership is about. Are they focused on just the bottom line or are they a modern leader? Are they going to focus on the individuals? Do they believe that this is going to be a silver bullet? That's something that's just going to get them through the process. Yeah. Once we get done with that, once we understand where the leadership is, then we start talking to the managers and to the supervisors, if you will, the first line managers to understand where they're at. And then once we're done with that, then we start focusing on the individuals. So we want to work through the leadership team so that they, the leadership team, also have the skills that they need to go forward. And we look at things like emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. servant leadership, uh, the ability to facilitate a project. Do they understand Scrum? Do they understand how to do lean and agile program management? Do they understand what DevOps are? And then how do they deal with, with the changes that go with that? Whether it's, you know, again, going back to emotional intelligence, are we looking at disk profiles? Are we looking at predictive index, the PI? What do we, you know, we want to look at all those attributes of an individual to help them figure out where they're at. And then the last part is we really want to help them deal with the change. And that's a, a critical thing that, that we found is very important. And, and what kind of tools do you use for that part of it, that dealing with the change? Because that seems that's a recurring theme. I, I know you and I have been involved in uh, a lot of discussions uh, uh, with several groups around town and change always seems to be the hang up. So what things do you guys bring to help facilitate people dealing with the change? First of all, we bring a tool set that is somewhat unique. It sounds to an HR professional, it doesn't sound unique, but I think it really is unique when we're going into IT organizations. And that is we bring the tools of, of you know, the emotional intelligence and that assessment. We 
bring in the disk profile and that assessment, the predictive index and that assessment. And then we also bring in our assessment tools that we've developed as part of the course of doing business that help us understand where each part of that organization is. For example, where the, where's the QA department in the whole thing, the QA staff? Are they up to speed on what's going to be involved in testing in an Agile project? Mm-hmm. Are they are they comfortable with the fact that we're going to take their one or two month testing process that they had and shrink it down into a two week period? And that's really hard for some folks because they've got to, you know, they've been do- in some cases they've been doing the work that they, you know, that they're doing right now. They've been doing that work sometimes for 30, 35 years and doing it basically the same way. Um, I spent some time in 2019 with uh, one of our state agencies and some of those folks have been in their same job for 40 years. And, and they're still using technology that basically we were using when I got out of, out of college. Right. I mean, the, the IBM mainframe. (laughs) <laughs> it is. The IBM mainframe lives, right? I mean, yeah, it just yeah. won't die. Yep. So are you working with technical professionals, um, business folks, combination of the two? Uh, how do you approach that uh, when you're when you're working with your clients? Well, the nature of Agile is that you're going to work with technical and with the business. And, and that typically is in the form of the people that are involved in, you know, from a business standpoint, that it's the people that are involved that understand what's going on, the SMEs, if you will, the subject matter experts. And they're the ones that will integrate in with the project teams, uh, scrum teams, and we'll go through and we'll work with them to help them understand, here's what, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Here's what's going forward. About three weeks ago, I had a scrum, an agile testing class where we were actually had stakeholders in the class that were going to do user acceptance testing, which is unheard of. User yeah, acceptance yeah. testing is usually done by the business people come in, they they go through some some processes that they have. They're not scientific. They're not uh, planned out typically. They just kind of go through it. And these folks were so interested in the agile process, they actually took our agile testing class and spent two days with me and and really got to a good understanding of what is going on inside of an agile project now have you applied these uh, agile principles outside of tech projects and i know we haven't talked about this um, uh, in the past but i've seen things like uh, the concept of agile marketing you bring those concepts to your marketing department or your hr department have you started to see that as you're working with your client base? Yeah, we're seeing it a lot. Um, I'm seeing it with the, if, if it's still IT, but we see it a lot as we start moving into areas like um, the help desk and like the network engineering and the infrastructure folks where we have a different kind of agile rather than the traditional scrum. We start out with taking them down the path of a, a Kanban type approach, right? Where it's more of they're, they're doing the work and they're doing it and we're worried about the flow and is the work flowing through the business. We go through and help them map their value stream and understand where are they spending their time in this process and does it really make sense to spend their time there? So we're doing a lot of that. We're also starting to see the business side of Agile raise its head. There's a, actually a couple of certifications that are out there around um, uh, talent 
agile talent and agile hmm. finance and agile marketing where folks can go and actually be trained on those on those topics and you'll see it it'll continue to go i think hr saying human resources means something in and of itself that says something about our culture today um you know, people aren't resources, but anyway, that aside, um, <laughs> HR has got to be engaged. And that's what we're seeing in a lot of successful transformations is that it's not just the IT folks that are going through it. HR is engaged too. The, the talent management folks are engaged and are actually trying to help understand a what's going on and then B how they can support that. Because after the consultants leave, after the agile coaches leave, they're left to themselves and, you know, they really need that support out of their HR department. And, and we want those talent organizations to join with us as we're going forward and transforming. I actually did that in 20, uh, when I started in 2013 with a healthcare startup, we actually partnered up with the HR group, making sure that the culture of the organization supported what we were trying to do from an IT, from an IT standpoint. And it works pretty well. So I imagine that a lot of some, at least some of your client base comes from companies who have either tried to implement Agile themselves or used a, a different firm and for whatever reason they are continuing to struggle. So tell us about what things you have seen that end up having to be redone or reworked, re learned uh, because it didn't zero in the first time? Um, that's a good question. I think the biggest things that I've seen are that a lot of firms will think, okay, we're going to go, we're going to try and change the way we do business. So we're going to go off and we're going to take our best project manager and we're going to send them off to a scrum class. And when they come back, we're going to be ready to go. <laughs> you know, and um, if they were a mediocre employee before they went to a scrum class, when they come back, they're still going to be a mediocre employee, right? They're yeah. not going to yeah. be able to to make that transition. And so I've seen a lot of that. That happens a lot. We've seen there's a lot of folks, especially right now, that are going out and getting their scrum master certifications and maybe even trying to get scrum master jobs or working in scrum master jobs where they just did it to get the credential, right? To get the uh, certification. And then they, you know, they, they get it and it's like, okay, now I'm going to do agile. So I'm going to do it exactly the way I did traditional project management, where I'm just going to follow the steps. I'm going to go through and do this because a, I might, you know, maybe I make a little bit more money, but B, I get to keep working. So that's what I'm going to do. And that's a huge problem. A scrum master certification is really just a matter of, paying for a two-day test and then going off and sitting for a 30-question simple test. So one of the organizations that has probably the largest organization, without mentioning names, one of the largest organizations in Scrum and Agile is very much that way. Um, there are other organizations out there that have much harder tests and have much harder curriculum for you to try to go through and learn. But it's still just a matter of book learning. It's um, not too different than what the PMP is. Um, that certification is is similar too, right? We've all run into PMPs yeah, yeah. where they, they've got the credentials, but 
you wouldn't want them to man, you know, you wouldn't want them to project manage your kid's birthday party. And, um, <laughs> and so our industry is not different than the medical practice, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. there's, you know, certainly physicians that you wouldn't want to do an open heart surgery on you. Um, even though they've got their credentials. So I would say that's one thing. The other thing is that I, I've seen is where organizations think they're going to change and they think they're going from one state to another. And once they get to that state, they're done. And what I mean by that is I'm going to go through and I'm going to bring in these consultants and they're going to give us this agile coaching and training. And when they're done, they're done. My team is ready to go. Yeah. And going back to that problem that I mentioned earlier about the folks don't have the skills to go forward, it comes to light. You know, they don't know how to facilitate. Maybe they don't know how to test. Maybe they're not open to new ideas. Maybe they're at the end of their career and, you know, they're just marking time until they retire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A buddy of mine refers to that as uh, they've left, but they still show up every day. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, a good way to describe it. Yeah. You know, we've got you've got a lot of that. I also think there's a, a lot of folks who don't get yet that we've got to change. Um, that change is inevitable. I think back. I, sorry if I'm digressing here, but you know, I think back and my first video game was Pong. Right, you plugged it into the TV, you played with it for about two hours, you watched a white dot go back and forth, and. Uh-huh. Exactly. And now what, you know, now I'm playing with an Oculus Quest, right? Playing mm-hmm. Vader rules or, or you know, <laughs> learning Tai Chi, right? Through this thing. Or yeah. I spent one day over uh, the Christmas holidays with the headset on riding roller coasters and just trying to make myself sick, <laughs> you know, and, and just that change is just in my lifetime. Imagine where oh, yeah, they're going. Yeah. And it's accelerating, as you know. So imagine where people are going to be 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Yeah. How we- I, was, I was thinking about that as you were talking, the this shift in traditional, we'll call it waterfall methodology to agile methodology has got to be, I'm an old school coder. So it's got to be very similar to going from procedural languages back in the day to object-oriented programming. I mean, it was just, it was just mind-blowing to try to grasp what those concepts were. So I can't recall if you've got the coding background. I know you've got data background, but, but would you kind of say it's that, that big of a deal, that big of a shift? Yeah, it is. It's, it's a huge shift. And it's a huge shift from, um, just to let you know, when I got out of college, I was coding. I, all our programming was done punching cards. Um, yeah, there you go. So that, there you go. that ought to date me, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, because you know what it is. Uh, uh, well, we're, yeah, I was a little uh, older than you, but uh, yeah, I know exactly what those are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's a huge shift. I mean, it's, a, it's not only a huge shift from the standpoint that I do work differently, but now... We've got this, you know, especially if you're doing Scrum, you've got this thing going on where I've got to show up every day and say what I did yesterday and what I'm going to do today and what are my impediments. So I'm actually now exposed and open, right, to, hey, I didn't do anything yesterday. I sat around and goofed off on the Internet or I, you know, (laughs) whatever it is, or I, air quote, worked from home, air quote, right? I mean, I worked from home, but I didn't get anything done. So now you're exposed yep. to it and 
you've got as a teammate, it's my job to look at, at you and say, you know, and hold you accountable. And for a lot of people, that's a problem. It's, a, it's hard for management too, because so for years, we may have known that there are problems out there and yet we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to go through the process of having to go through the you know, the HR steps and all that stuff, right? Write them up, have the conversation, yep. put them on a performance improvement plan. We don't want to do all that stuff. So what we end up doing is we end up letting these people go. You know, they're marginal. We get some work out of them. And then, you know, all of a sudden they're exposed now that they now that they've got to show up every day and tell people what they've done. And we just let, you know, as a manager, now I have to deal with it and I have to do something with it because my team is looking at me saying, okay, Chris, what are you going to do? This, this individual is not pulling his weight. What are you going to do about it? And that accountability is tough for a lot of organizations. Yeah. Forces that. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, in the time we have left, I want to shift. We've been talking about shift here for the last couple of minutes, but, but I want to shift a little bit because I, I know that you spend a lot of time in teaching and in education with higher ed workshops, what, what attracts you personally to teaching in any of those environments? That's it. That's a good question. Um, originally I got into it because I got into teaching Scrum and Agile at the universities and, and some of the code and one of the coding schools here in town. I got into it because I just wanted to teach. I just wanted to, to be involved. I actually taught, I mean, ad, was an adjunct at IUPUI and taught um, the Agile class there for a couple semesters. Uh, it's, for me, it's rewarding because I get an opportunity to go out and, um, you know, work with young people. And it's a good way for, I think, for me to give back because I've gotten so much out of this business. I mean, I've been in this business 30 some odd years and raised three kids yeah. and, and a family on it. And it's a good way for me to give back. And the couple of things I really like are that we're doing are every summer we've spent a little bit of time with the tech point externs here in town yeah. where we'll go through and we'll train either the boot camp or the actual externs themselves will go through and do a, a class with them and give them a, a one-day overview on Scrum and Agile. Then the other th- couple things that we do, I'm working here with the 1150 Coding Academy uh, that was founded by right. Scott Jones. And at the beginning of every cohort, we go in in that first two weeks and we give them a one-day Agile class. And the idea there is we want to give them a head start when they go out to get a job. They know that they, when they go out and somebody talks to them about, in an interview about, hey, what's this Agile thing? They've got an answer. And hopefully as they've gone through their cohort, they can use those skills and use those skills to manage their projects as a team. You know, the other thing we do that's really, that I really, really like is that um, there's a, a group down at IU, uh, it's the Center of Excellence in Women in Technology. I go down there usually one weekend uh, in the spring and one weekend in the fall, and we do uh, a variety of different things. We've done two-day scrum classes, and then we've done one-day scrum classes. And the uh, CWIT, that's the acronym for the Center for Excellence in Women in Technology, it's particularly interesting for me because I get an opportunity to work in an environment where I'm uncomfortable. Um, I'm usually the only man in the class. And it, yeah. it really is uh, um, interesting, I think, to not be in a place of comfort all right. the time. Right. 
I've learned, I, I think I've learned more from them than they've learned from me. And like I said, it's a good opportunity for me to reinforce my scrum knowledge because they ask questions that I wouldn't think about. Because they're, they're coming at it from a different perspective, yeah. right? And, and so that, that makes that, that fantastic. Has that oppor- those opportunities, if you will, of teaching these classes and, and all that, has it benefited your work at, at Belythe as you move back and forth between the corporate world and the education world? You know, I th- that's a good question. I think it really has helped make mm-hmm. me just in general a better person. Yeah, yeah. I've had an opportunity to be exposed to a number of different classroom environments with different folks in it that I wouldn't be right. exposed to. And it's really made me consider, you know, as I'm going into organizations, it's really made me consider the, the folks on the other end of what we're trying to do. You know, are we... Are we really helping those folks or, you know, by coming in and saying, here, follow this process, here's the steps that to me, that doesn't sound like it. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like we need to be, you know, investing in them individually and in their future. Well, and like you said earlier, sometimes you feel like you learn more uh, from the experience than the students do in some cases, or at least different things. And you can bring that back. If you're feeling good about what you're doing and you're continuously learning yourself, that's only going to sharpen you for when you're dealing with a tough corporate client, for example. So, Chris, I always like to wrap up these conversations with a question, and that is, what should our listeners do differently tomorrow because they listen to us today? So what things should those IT leaders, those CIOs that listen to our program what should they go do tomorrow? They should, I think what I always end classes with this idea that if you adopt a continuous improvement mindset for yourself, I'm always going to be learning. I'm always going to be trying to get better, that you will fix all your problems over time and that you will improve yourself. And that's what I I think that applies to the organizations as well, right? Is if we just continue to, if we just continue to fix our problems one little problem at a time, you know, over a year, we're going to fix a ton of them. And, you know, there's a lot of studies out there that say that habits are hard to break and that takes anywhere from 14 days to 280 days to break a habit, depending on how ingrained it is with us. Yeah. We have a lot of bad habits that we just need to break (laughs) and we just need to start fixing them one at a time. Yeah. Yeah, we do. That is a great call to action, Chris. I want to thank you so much for taking time to be on the show today. This has been, this has been great to dig into uh, the agile methodology and where, how you see it differently than perhaps some other companies out there and uh, the educational aspect of what you're doing. It's been a real pleasure to talk with you today about those things, Chris. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, it's been fun. So to our listeners out there, if you have a question or want to learn more, you can visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Chris Daly. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. 
If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.